The Paul Kaharski Podcast is brought to you by Yazoo Brewing Company, a Nashville original since 2003. Welcome into the Paul Kuharski Podcast. Uh, I've been working all week on this one, something different, something deeper, uh, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. I've got a list of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine guys. The tenth would be Kenny Vaccaro, but you know plenty about him. Nine guys I think the Titans could or should chase in NFL free agency coming up next week. I have reached out to a friend who covers each one of these guys and had a short conversation about that player. So you're going to hear from a variety of NFL reporters uh, from a variety of NFL markets on each of these guys. Thanks to Yazoo, the sponsor of this podcast, uh, I was able to hop around. Um, and so you'll hear about uh, three of these guys uh, in the public portion of this podcast. Then we will hop to members only and you will hear from the rest. So without further ado, we will hop straight to Greg Allman. Uh, from the Athletic in Tampa Bay to talk about Adam Humphreys. How you doing, Greg? Doing well, Paul. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate you plugging in. He's on Twitter at Greg, A-U-M-A-N, doing a fine job down there. We come to him to talk receiver, which is obviously one of the Titans' biggest needs, which has been one of the Titans' biggest needs forever, which is a genetic dysfunction in the franchise. Um, and Adam Humphreys could be part of a solution, <clears throat> though he's a guy that's probably going to get more money than uh, many franchises will, who don't get him will think he's worth. What kind of uh, price range do you think he's looking at, Greg? He's going to do really well. Um, I mean, it, it. I remember I think the Bucks had tried to keep him around six a year ago, um, did a smart thing and bet on himself and had a great year. Uh, 70 catches, five touchdowns. Um, I, I would not be surprised if it's north of $8 million a year. Um, in the last week, you've even seen, uh, I think, Spot Track valued him at 10 for a year. Somebody else floated the possibility of him being a $10 million a year guy. So yeah, I've seen down 12 year, on the extreme end, which would yeah. be uh, enormous. Like I said, if he gets anything north of eight, would do it. Adam's a great guy, has been ridiculously productive for the Bucks. He's a great story. Um, came in as a tryout player, not just an undrafted rookie, but a tryout player. Um, got a contract, made the team, and has made plays ever since. Um, he's got like 209 catches in four years, uh, one of the most productive undrafted receivers in his first four years in, in the NFL history. Um, and, yeah, has done very well. Uh, I think the Bucs would love to keep him, but they've got Mike Evans. They're already paying you know, $15 million a year or two. They've got a good young receiver in Chris Godwin. So it probably is one of those things where he'll have to get away. Um, but, no, a good receiver who will be productive – uh, out of the slot, annoying to opposing defenses at how easily he gets open and makes catches. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing where he goes. Titans love guys like this too, with the self-made, uh, self-made no, I mean, Jay Robinson. I mean, J. Rob was there in Tampa when they got Humphrey, so he knows him. He knows the backstory. He spent time with him. Uh, that would be a smart match if they can afford it. Yeah. So my biggest question then is you take a guy off of a very good wide receiver team with a deep group who, who watched somebody like Mike Evans and you put him on a team. <clears throat> hopefully he'd be one of two additions, but uh, their best wide receivers, Corey Davis drafted fifth has not turned out to be that caliber of receiver yet. Their best pass catcher will be Delaney Walker uh, getting old 
uh, coming off a, a lost season to a severe ankle injury, an excellent, excellent, productive tight end, but not a good re receiver team, not a historically good wide receiver team. Uh, what do you think about the idea of him going from uh, a great group to a group where he'd be expected in large part to kind of lead? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he's getting the kind of money you would associate with almost being a number one receiver. Um, and that's probably not a natural role for him. He's, he's better as a complimentary receiver. I would say he could be a strong two somewhere. Um, you know, but what he did in Tampa, I mean, in, very consistent. Every time they bring in receivers, you know, they signed Deshaun Jackson two years ago, and everybody's like, oh, you know, it's going to take a lot of catches away from Adam Humphreys. They draft Chris Godwin. Everyone says, oh, it's going to take away from, from Adam Humphreys. He keeps making plays. Um, you go back to when he was at Clemson. He was part of this insane receiver group at Clemson that had DeAndre Hopkins and Martavis Bryant, and uh, I'm blanking here. There were literally six NFL receivers in the same college position room. Um, just a great group that put a ton of guys in the NFL, and that's why he, he goes unnoticed and goes undrafted. Um, he's thrived in that situation. So this is really the first time in his football career he's been coveted and able to go on the open market and, and probably recognized for the talent that he has. Uh, so it's a cool thing that he's going to get paid. Um, you, you talked about what the Bucks have behind him. Uh, new regime, obviously, uh, and and – you're going to inevitably lose guys, especially when you've got a stacked position. How much will they miss him, you think? Um, it's one of those where it, it's hard to know how easily you can replace somebody like that. I mean, you're replacing somebody you didn't have to put a draft pick into. Um, the comp that he gets a lot is Hunter Renfro, the kid from Clemson that yeah. had the winning catch in the championship game two years ago. And it has also been just ridiculously productive as an undersized, underappreciated slot receiver. Um, and Renfro might even, I mean, he kind of benefits from what Humphreys has done. He might be a fourth or a fifth round pick um, as opposed to, to Adam, who wasn't even drafted. So uh, the, the, the easy answer is like, oh, you can let Humphreys go and just get Hunter Renfro in the fifth round. Just because Hunter Renfro was a lot like Adam Humphreys in college doesn't mean he'll have the same success um, at the next level. So that's the hard thing. Um, I think the Bucks can certainly go out and get another receiver. Um, they might be letting Deshaun Jackson go here as well. So they would go from having maybe the deepest, one of the best receiving groups in the, in the NFL to suddenly having two guys and then a lot of young players. So it's hard to tell how drastic the change will be, but they do need to shift some of their resources to getting this defense to not be one of the worst defenses of the NFL. If Humphreys wound up in uh, Tennessee, he would spend a year answering uh questions comparing winston and mariota that would be a lot of fun yes <laughs> that's the easy question for anybody that's seen both quarterbacks yeah greg alman uh from the athletic uh does great work down there covering the bucks appreciate you jumping into this project for me uh great information on adam humphreys we appreciate it all right take care paul thanks again all right so we go to cleveland with uh, old good friend Mary Kay Cabot. She's with cleveland.com. I still like to think of it as the Cleveland Plain Dealer, which is the print element of that. On Twitter, she's at Mary Kay Cabot. Couldn't be more simple. And I come to her to ask about Tarod Taylor, which I think I pronounced correctly now after hard knocks. Do I have that right, Mary Kay? Oh, there's still a big debate raging in Cleveland, or there was all through last season, whether it was Tyrod or Tarod. I stuck with Tyrod. I don't know. I just couldn't change. I'm set in my ways, and he seemed to be fine with it either way. So you can take your pick. 
Yeah, it's funny to me how guys aren't ad- adamant about this. In Nashville, on my radio show, the Midday 180 in particular, we just crush people who don't say Mariota, who say Mariota, <clears throat> fans in particular. But then we have guests, you know, in who pronounce it incorrectly, and we get bashed for not correcting, you know, those people, and it turns into a huge thing. So I think Taylor would be <clears throat> a fantastic veteran backup. I, I think the Titans should pay have the highest paid backup in the league if need be so that in week 17, if they're playing the Colts for a spot in the playoffs and Marcus Mariota is unfit to play, they have an actual chance to win the game instead of Blaine Gabbert. And I think Taylor, maybe he gets a chance at a starter's job here, but it seems like he's more of a backup at this stage of his career. He's got a skill set that kind of matches up with Mariota uh, and he would give them a chance to win a game. I know he didn't play very much in Cleveland. Uh, Baker Mayfield took over. He got hurt, but from what you got to know of him in his time there, what do you think about that idea of a fit here? Well, I actually do think it would be a great fit. What happened with Tyrod here in Cleveland was uh, Todd Haley really did not use him properly. You know, he is a dual threat quarterback and Todd Haley wasn't used to that sort of thing and really didn't give him a chance to showcase his skills. And he was quickly, quickly out of the lineup, and Baker Mayfield took over in that week three in that Jets game that everyone probably remembers and never really looked back. So I I think Tyrod would have fared much, much better here uh, if he had had, uh, actually probably if Hugh Jackson was running the offense at that time, but but he wasn't. He turned the whole thing over to Todd Haley, and, and Todd just really didn't use... Uh, Tyrod the way that he should be used. So I do think that he's got a lot of good football left in him. And, you know, I don't know if he'll get a look as a starter anywhere. Um, But I do think that if he gets into the lineup, into a game, and someone knows exactly, you know, how to best utilize his skills, that he can still be effective. He's got 46 starts, 53 touchdowns, 20 interceptions. you got to like that ratio. Passer rating just under 90. Uh, Three seasons in Buffalo, he ran 84 times or more in three seasons, and he's got a 5.6 career average. I mean, to me, uh, if you're looking for a tip-top backup and not many teams have him, I mean, because there are plenty of teams that don't have a good enough starter, uh, this guy screams out to me like, hey, if you needed somebody to finish a game, if you needed somebody to start three games, uh, he would give you a, a real chance. Um, I don't know how much money he would cost you, but I think uh, you could give him a, a pretty good, you know, five, six million dollar contract with huge incentives for if he ended up starting five games for you. And then maybe you only get him for a year or two and, and he'd put himself in position again to, to be in the starter market. Yeah, I, I think that sounds very reasonable. And I will say, I, I don't think that Tyrod, a few people do, but I don't think he really considers himself uh, to be ready for a backup role yet. He still firmly believes uh, that he just did not get the chance that he deserved last year and that he is starter material. And I know that he would like an opportunity to prove that. So I think part of what he's going to be looking for uh, is to go to a place where he can have an opportunity to start at some point, whether it be right away or soon thereafter or somewhere down the road. I don't think he's ready to hold the clipboard yet. I don't think he's ready for the mentor role. 
He's still young. Uh, again, he still has a lot of good football left in him. And I, I think he really, really wants a chance to go out and prove himself because, you know, when he, he was very hurt away about the way that Buffalo cast him aside after he led them to the playoffs. And, uh, you know, he came to Cleveland for the opportunity to start, and that went south very quickly. And so I think he has a lot to prove. So maybe between the draft class, between the quarterbacks who are coming free, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, with guys like uh, Keenum probably hitting the market, Tannehill hitting the market, even uh, uh, Bortles hitting the market, Bridgewater, uh, Carr potentially hitting the market. So Titans fans would want all those guys to soak up some jobs. They'd want people to fall in love with the draft class. Um, and then they'd want the Titans to court this guy hard saying, look, you're definitely going to end up playing some games this year because our guy doesn't stay healthy. <clears throat> he doesn't have a contract beyond this year. And if, if you impress us, maybe you'd be in line for it next year. Um, you know, big incentives, great place to live, potentially a future here. If not, you'd set yourself up with some action to uh, to have a big future again in a, in a year. I think it'd be terrific here and have uh, have some great opportunity. But uh, so I'm, I'm rooting against him having better opportunity somewhere else. And Mary Kay, you certainly think uh, um, Titans could do far, far worse. Uh, they'd be hitting a home run if they could lure him here somehow. But sounds like you think maybe he's going to get better opportunity, certainly expecting he can. Well, I know that's what he wants, but last year hurt him. I mean, you know, his numbers weren't good in the in the first couple of games, and um, and obviously he was out of there as the starter. So, you know, once that happens and you're not coming off of a starting job, for a lot of teams it's out of sight, out of mind, and people think whatever happened to him there, he just wasn't good enough. Well, you know, there's also the Baker Mayfield factor. You know, when you've got Baker Mayfield there, it's going to be really, really difficult uh, to be num picked number one overall and not get in that starting lineup very, very, very quickly. So I do think that, you know, he would be a, a great choice for the Titans. Um, and again, I, I think that he still sees himself as a starter, but I don't know if anybody else is going to see him like that right now. I think he's going to need to rehabilitate his career a little bit and get back to doing what he does well so that people can view him that way again. Really appreciate you. Really appreciate you jumping in, Mary Kay. Hope you get some rest before free agency kicks off. Sounds like big moves coming with all uh, this extra cap room. You're going to see OBJ there. You know what? I, I I really don't know. I at this point, I think there were raging, raging rumors yesterday, and I don't know really if there were uh, anything to them yet. Not not that I can tell so far. Yeah. Well, we know if it comes to be, you'll be the one that lets us know. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Next, we go to Orange County, California. The Orange County registers Rich Hammond, kind enough to join us for a minute to talk in Dominican Sue, who was a hot commodity uh, last offseason uh, when he was on the move, landed obviously with the Los Angeles Rams, uh, who beat out the Titans for Sue's services. And then Sue was not rich um, as big a factor during the regular season, at least statistically as many of us suspected, 4.5 sacks during the year, playing off Aaron Donald, uh, the greatest interior defensive lineman of our time, though he did turn things up during the postseason. 
He did, yeah. Uh, so individually, you look at it right. The, the numbers probably weren't what you expected visually when you looked at it. Uh, there, there wasn't the dominance that maybe you thought the two of them would have playing together. But the thing that's hard to quantify is is how much um, do you attribute Ndamukong Sue to Aaron Donald's remarkable season. I mean, Aaron set the record for most sacks by an interior lineman led the NFL in sacks, defensive player of the year again, um, had by far his best season of his career. So a little hard to quantify, you know, just, just having a guy like Sue next to him, how much attention did that take? How much more difficult did it make Aaron Donald to defend having that guy next to him? I, I think there was a little bit of that. Uh, but certainly when that signing got announced and, and you heard that Aaron Donald and Adamic and Sue we're going to be playing next to each other. I think everybody's head kind of went in the clouds and thought this is going just going to be an unstoppable duo. And how's anybody even going to move the ball against these guys? And it, it's fair to say that, that that did not meet the expectations. So uh, I, I would expect he will probably move on from the Rams. I, I think they're still continuing to talk. Uh, he, he liked being here. I think he liked being part of the team. Uh, but, uh, you know, given his age and, and kind of where he is in his career, uh, I think he probably sees that he has one more opportunity uh, to sign a pretty good deal. So so I certainly would expect that, that he will be out there exploring his options. Uh, numbers in the postseason also not fantastic. Had uh, in the three games, one and a half sacks, two tackles for a loss, five quarterback hits. But the widespread sentiment was that he became a, a bigger problem than he had been during the regular season. Uh, you, you saw that up close. How much of a sense did you have that he was uh, more difficult for people to handle uh, in the playoffs? For sure. I, I don't think there's any doubt. His three best games were, were the game at Detroit, which probably not a surprise there either, going back to play his former team, and then the Dallas game and the New Orleans game. I thought clearly – were his uh, three best games of the season. And a lot of it, to be honest with you, I mean, I mean you know, we pay a lot of attention to, to pass rush numbers and, and that sort of thing. But I thought in, in those three games in particular, he was very good against the run. Uh, he was very stout uh, in the middle there, the 3-4 the, the nose tackle position that they were asking him to play. And, uh, you know, it's not always about chasing the quarterback or, or you know, getting in the backfield and being disruptive. A lot of the problem that the Rams had on defense this year was uh, stopping those runs, especially those kind of up-the-gut runs. And uh, I, I thought he did real well with his gaps in, in those two playoff games in particular. Uh, the Super Bowl was fine, too. It wasn't as outstanding to me as the other two playoff games. Uh, but I thought he played with a lot of discipline in, in those games, just really kind of did his job. And Sure, maybe, you know, when you talk about a guy who's getting paid that much money and, and has the kind of resume that he has, maybe you expect something more flashy, maybe you expect a couple more sacks. Uh, but, but I thought in those games in particular, he did a really good job of just playing very good fundamental, just, just stellar uh, football up front all around. So that was not always there. You, you didn't see that a lot during the regular season. Uh, maybe he tried to chase the quarterback a little too much at times and, uh, you know, wasn't quite as stout up front uh, where, where they needed him. But uh, you certainly saw in, in those games that, that there's still a lot of, of fuel left in that tank. What was he like in the locker room? Uh, I don't know. I, I think most of us from the outside tend to picture him. And maybe the part of this is stereotyping him based on, on uh, his growl, his scowl. 
Um, and part part of it based on what we've read, but he doesn't look like the friendliest guy, which is probably a uh, a pretty good characteristic to have in an interior defensive lineman. <laughs> but uh, but how did he blend in, and what was he like with the guys? Yeah, actually, pretty quiet. I mean, yeah, no, probably not what you'd expect if the only thing you saw were you know were the highlights and read some of the stories. But not not a loud guy at all. Not somebody whose voice. Uh, you you even really heard in the locker room if if you were just kind of the you know the, an observer reporter or what have you uh, very rarely did you even hear his voice he just kind of kept to himself a lot uh, his his position coach Bill Johnson said you know he, he's not a guy who's going to laugh or make you laugh a whole lot uh, very businesslike in his approach I, I think very professional in in everything that he did uh, Aaron Donald said he's a good communicator you know that they got along well they communicated well. Um, not a problem in the locker room. Again, I think probably kept to himself a little bit more than, than maybe some other guys, which, again, not unusual. He, he entered a locker room uh, of guys, particularly in that, in that defensive front seven. Uh, a lot of them had played together for a long time. They'd known each other for a long time. So, you know, it can be a little bit awkward maybe uh, to, to try to fit into that group. But certainly, you know, not disruptive, not, not a negative presence. Um, if anything, just, just a real quiet guy who kind of kept to himself and, and kind of went about his own business. Titans will certainly have more options in a very deep defensive line draft and also a, a full class of free agency, but they liked Ndamukong Sue a year ago. Uh, if they see that what he did on the field did, in fact, uh, contribute to Aaron Donald's gigantic season, maybe they'll make another run at him thinking he could uh, have a a similar effect on uh, on their own great defensive tackle, Jarrell Casey. Uh, Rich Hammond from the Orange County Register, at Rich underscore Hammond, H-A-M-M-O-N-D. Really appreciate you taking the time to jump in on this project, Rich. Thanks for making it easy. No problem, Paul. Thank you. That does it for the uh, public part of this fine podcast. I hope uh, you want to hear the rest because uh, we're going to hit six more guys here uh, with Five more reporter friends of mine. Very good stuff brought to you by Yazoo Brew. You don't want to miss it. If you're not a member of paulkuherske.com, $5.99 a month. You can get a yearly membership, uh, 12 months for the price of 11. You're missing out if, uh, if you don't hear it and you get stuff like this uh, podcast with a clever idea like this. Uh, take a lap, a new feature where uh, either I'm walking around with a member who's grilling me with questions or somebody connected to the Titans is taking a lap with me and I'm, I'm grilling them. Uh, regular private Periscope slash Facebook Lives membership in our exclusive Facebook page and everything I write, plus some analysis from longtime Titans scout Blake Bettingfield, who spent 19 years with the team. I encourage you to join. And members, stay tuned. Part two will be coming up after a short pause. The Paul Kaharski Podcast is a joint production of paulkaharski.com and Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com. Now.